1: And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network. And right now, let's start with Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren. with Joshua P. Warren.
3: I am Joshua P. Warren, and each week on this show, I'll be bringing you brand new, mind-blowing content, news, exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more. On this edition of the program, do you have a doppelganger apparently I do and I'm going to tell you about that where shall we begin how about this in the 1700s Christoph Gluck was a German composer who refused to sleep in his room after seeing an apparition of himself enter it he found the next morning that the ceiling had collapsed on his bed And would have killed him. Now, what does that mean? What was this thing he saw? This double of himself? We'll get back to that. You know, I grew up in Western North Carolina, and not far from where I lived was the home of Carl Sandburg, poet, biographer, journalist. He won three Pulitzer Prizes, and one was for his biography of Abraham Lincoln. And in that book, Carl Sandburg wrote a strange dream or illusion had haunted Lincoln at times through the winter on the evening of his election. He had thrown himself on one of the sofas at home just after the first telegrams of November 6th had told him that he was elected president and looking into a bureau mirror across the room, he saw himself full length. But with two faces, it bothered him. He got up. The illusion vanished. But when he lay down again, well, there in the glass again were two faces, but one was paler than the other. Well, He got up again, mixed in the election excitement, and he kind of forgot about it. But it came back and it haunted him. And he told his wife about it. And she was worried, too. A few days later, he tried it once more, and sure enough, the illusion of the two faces again appeared. But that was the last. The ghost since then would not come back. He told his wife, and she said it was a sign that he would be elected to a second term. But the deathly pallor of one face meant that he would not live through his second term. Have you heard about a teacher named Emily Segi? Emily Segi was, she was like 32 years old in 1845. And she was a teacher in Latvia, which is just west of Russia. And they say she was, she was attractive, smart, well liked. By the students and staff of this particular school, the well-known school she taught at. But by the time she got she got to that school in 1845, she had already been employed in 18 different schools in the past 16 years. And so it started to become clear, they say, why that Emily could not keep her position in any of the jobs for a long time, because she had a doppelganger, a ghostly twin. No, it'd make itself visible to others at random moments. The first time it was spotted was when she was teaching a class of 17 girls. And Emily had just been standing there, normally writing on the chalkboard with her face away, her her back facing the girls, Uh, when out of nowhere, a projection-like entity that looked just like her appeared. It stood right beside her mocking her by imitating her movements. And while everyone in the class could see this doppelganger, Emily could not. In fact, she said she never came across her twin, which was just as well for her because it is often considered an extremely bad omen to see one's own doppelganger. Since the first sighting, Emily's apparent twin was spotted quite frequently by others at the school She was seen sitting beside the real Emily eating silently, imitating Emily while she did her work every day, sitting in class while Emily taught. One time as Emily was helping one of her students dress up for an event, the doppelganger appeared and the student looked down and she found two Emily's fixing her dress and then fainted immediately. The most talked about sighting was when uh, Emily was, was uh, gardening It says she she was seen gardening by a class full of 42 girls. And when the supervisor of the class walked out for a bit, Emily walked down and sat in her place. And the students did not think much of it until one of them pointed out that Emily was still in the garden doing her work. So they must have been terrified by the other Emily in the room. But some of them were brave enough to go and touch this doppelganger. Can you believe that? And what they found was that their hands could go through her, only sensing what seemed like a bulk of cobweb. That sounds a lot like an electrostatic field, doesn't it? Uh, Similar to what I experienced when I touched a ghost one time. People would ask Emily about this. She was always at a loss. And she said that she had been asked to leave her previous jobs because this was freaking people out. And what's also interesting is it was said at the time that while Emily's doppelganger made itself visible, the actual Emily appeared very worn out and lethargic as if the duplicate was a part of her spirit that had somehow broken free. And when it disappeared, she was back to being her normal self. Now, after the incident at the garden, Emily had said that she had had an urge to go inside the classroom to supervise the kids, but she hadn't done it. And this may indicate that the doppelganger perhaps was a reflection of the kind of teacher Emily wanted to be doing multiple tasks at once. Some people have a theory that this doppelganger comes out to do the task that Emily herself was doing in an alternate universe where she had made a choice different from that of the real world. Now, this doppelganger double kind of thing, it gets really bizarre and it gets quite complicated. And if this is all kind of new to you, well, let's just start with the basics, okay? Let's just take a look at the definition of a doppelganger. Here's the Wikipedia page, okay? Doppelganger is German. It literally means double walker. And they say it is a biologically unrelated lookalike or a double of a living person. In fiction and mythology, a doppelganger is often portrayed as a ghostly or paranormal phenomenon and usually seen as a harbinger of bad luck. Other traditions and stories equate a doppelganger with an evil twin. In modern times, the term twin stranger is occasionally used. And the word doppelganger is often used in a more general and neutral sense and in slang to describe any person who physically resembles another person. This whole concept of the doppelganger, it goes way back. Uh, here are some examples. There was John Donne, an English poet, who in, the, in 1612 was living in Paris. He saw his wife's doppelganger one night turns out it was the same night as the stillbirth of their daughter. You know, uh, Percy Shelley, the English poet in 1822. He was married to Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein. And uh, he drowned in the Bay of Spezia in Italy. And on August 15th, while staying at Pisa, Mary Shelley... Wrote a letter to her friend in which she said that Percy had claimed to her that he had met his own doppelganger recently. Um, these kinds of stories go on and on. Here's George Tryon. Uh, this guy it says this is a Victorian age example. He was a vice admiral in the Navy and he was said to have walked through the drawing room of his family looking straight ahead without exchanging a word to anyone okay this was they saw him in london he walked right through in front of several guests at a party while he was supposed to be in a ship on the mediterranean maneuvering off the coast of syria well guess what he was actually there, and they reported that he had gone down with his ship, the HMS Victoria, the very same night it collided with another ship. Okay, this gets weirder and weirder. We're going to take a break, and I have so many more stories for you, including my own. Uh, but listen, this is important. Now, you may realize I recently put out a new metaphysical kit called the Golden Ruby Fortune Maker Ultimate. Well, if you missed out on that, don't worry. I have some other really cool, interesting metaphysical inventions I'm going to be releasing soon. But if you want to be the first to know about them, you got to go to JoshuaPWarren.com. Take two seconds to sign up for my free e-newsletter. And when you hit the submit button there, it will instantly send you an automated email with some links to all kinds of free online digital gifts that will change your life get you going down a magical pathway help you manifest things help you start seeing into other realms i'm telling you you have to go do this right now Sign up for my free e-newsletter at joshuapwarren.com, right there on the homepage. I am Joshua P. Warren. You are listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back.
0: Keep it here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. The Wizard of Weird will be right back. This
4: show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting.
2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: Hi, this is George Dory, and you're listening to the new iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now, let's get back to strange things with Joshua P. Warren.
3: to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren, beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. And listen to this, with the advent of social media... There have been several reported cases of people finding their twin stranger online, which is a modern term for a doppelganger in some cases. And there are several websites where users can upload a photo of themselves and facial recognition software attempts to match them with another user of like appearance. And some of these sites report they have found numerous living doppelgangers. Well, I actually went after reading that and I found at least one of these sites and um <laughs> I'm not going to use it, though. I'm not going to you, uh, you, you sign up, you upload your photo and then it finds your match. If I find some other dude who looks like me out there, well, what if my wife finds out about that? My wife might leave me for this other guy. Maybe he's more romantic than I am. So you can do that at your own risk. And if you do that, I hope that you will, uh, <laughs> you'll contact me and send me your photo and the photo of, of the twin <laughs> that you find out there. But you see, that's a different kind of thing because we're talking about historically doppelgangers are almost like these apparitions. That appear to reproduce the person. Sometimes it's right next to the person, In other cases it's far away. Uh, like with the admiral, there, you know, he was, uh, God knows how far away, dying in on this ship. Um, and so, then you have this that that kind of concept being used to just talk about somebody finding an unrelated twin. So these these are two examples of how to use that word. But okay, let's go back to uh this more paranormal uh, sort of aspect though what's the scientific sort of explanation for this okay well here here's what some scientists talk about i've never heard of this autoscopy h e a u t o s c o p y maybe it's heotoscopy. I don't know what that, that is. It says it's an experience in which an individual perceives the surrounding environment from a different perspective from outside their own body. And that this is a term used in psychiatry and neurology for the hallucination of seeing one's own body at a distance. And it can occur as a symptom in schizophrenia and epilepsy and is considered a possible explanation for doppelganger phenomena. Okay, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that explains some of these things, but certainly not all of them. One of my favorite movies is The Mothman Prophecies. I love the book as well, and uh, it's been a long time since I have seen The Mothman Prophecies. But I believe in the beginning, the protagonist, he's searching for... Some kind of meaning. He's been having weird experiences. Richard Gere is the actor and he, he's based on the, the, you know, John Kill in real life. But anyway, uh, Richard gear, he drives to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where all these people have been seeing the Mothman and other strangeness has been happening. And he breaks down on the side of the road on a stormy night and he needs help. So he, Knocks on a door and the guy opens the door and he's got a gun. And he says something like you again or whatever, you know. And of course Richard Gears character is very confused and scared to death. And the homeowner keeps him there at gunpoint until the, the sheriff or the deputy or whatever arrives. And the homeowner says to the, to the sheriff, this man has shown up. For the past two nights at our house, you know, and Richard Gere's like, "I've never ever been to this area before. That's that's impossible, All right?" And I'm I'm again I'm just paraphrasing that based upon my memory of seeing the movie. Well, that is a that is a different type of do- doppelganger, which I think is one of the freakiest types, and that is the kind of thing that has happened I- in my life to me. Okay. So we're talking about the doppelganger again, like there's this first type where it's just like a ghostly double that could be nearby or far away. Second is, well, the kind of modern term of like, oh, look, I found a person who looks like me out there. <laughs> um But this is a weirder one because it almost seems like that there is another version of you that is out there uh, carrying out deeds on your behalf. And I don't know if it's a version of you or if it's something that's shape shifting to look like you. I'm gonna get into all that in a minute there's a this is a lot to think about, but first, let me explain to you some about my own experiences, okay so this did not start happening to me as far as I know uh until I was like sixteen years old um and and in, in retrospect, it makes me think if this was happening before I knew it was happening, then maybe people thought I was doing things that I wasn't doing. I, I'll never know. But anyway, here's when I started knowing about this phenomenon. OK, I was really into photography, uh, like film, you know, developing film and all that kind of stuff when I was a teenager. And so I went out and I got a uh, a medium format camera which is a rare thing for a teenager to have in those days. Because, I mean, I was born in 1976. Um, so by the time I'm, you know, 16 or whatever, I, most people had probably never even seen a medium format camera. But it's like a little box. And you have to put this special roll of film in it. And it has a lens on the top. And you look down into the top of it. And you, you have to manually adjust the the lighting, the aperture, and the focus and everything. And then you you expose it. Um, manually click 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 and you have to take it to a photography shop uh, to be developed at least that's what I used to do I, I knew how to do it but I would take it to a photography shop and they'd give you these sheets back that had these uh nice little like Ansel Adams looking black and white pictures I love to do the black and white thing that were all kind of printed like a, in a grid pattern so anyway there was this place on Merriman Avenue in Asheville North Carolina um, that was the big photo development shop during that period of time. And so I would walk in there sometimes to get my, my film developed. And the guy working there would say, Hey, Carrie, how are you doing today? And I would say, I'm sorry, you know, how's it going? Oh boy. And I was like, at first I kind of blew it off because, you know, if somebody calls you by the wrong name. You think like maybe they just slip. After he called me Carrie like two or three times, I finally told him, uh, actually, you must be confusing me for somebody else. You know, I'm my, I'm Joshua. And I get this look. This was the first time I ever got this, this look. Like, are you crazy? You know, like, and he says, you're not Carrie. And I said, no, I'm Joshua. And he starts sort of telling me that, yeah, well, there apparently is this guy named Carrie who looks just like you and comes in here with this medium format film. And blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was just like, And I'm, I'm just sort of dumbfounded hearing this. And thank goodness this was, uh, related to a business because I've got receipts for when I actually went there and when I went, and then I've got pictures that I got. So I could prove that I was not there when this other guy, Carrie, was there. Um, but I, you know, it was, it was bizarre, but I didn't pursue it at that point in my life. Um, I, I would probably pursue that right now if that happened to me. But at that point in my life, it was just too bizarre. I didn't know what to think of it. Well, um th- and then there was another occasion when I was a little older. I was, uh, I guess, in my early 20s. And I, I had a friend. He was a very, very good friend of mine. And uh, he thought he was a bit of an inventor. And so he came up with a new type of fishing pole design. And I didn't really care about fishing poles or anything like that. I mean, I'd go fishing once in a while with this dude. Um But he was real big into fishing. And so he came up with this fishing pole design and he told me about it. And I said, yeah, I think that's cool, you know, and I, I but I didn't really care about it. Well, one day he calls me up and boy, he is just blessing me out. OK, he's cursing at me on the phone. And I have no idea what's going on. And he said that he had talked to some kind of fishing pole manufacturer And the guy had said that apparently I had already called this guy and I was trying to sell the same thing. And, of course, this was absurd to me because I had no interest in that product. You know the kind of stuff that I make. It's not fishing pole's maybe maybe someday I'll make a fishing pole anything is possible but it's just like it but it, it it ticked me off so badly that he was cursing at me and accusing me of this thing which I had absolutely nothing to do with that that ended our friendship okay I pulled the plug on our friendship and I look back at that and I think that that was probably a good thing because His life did not turn out well, and I think he was kind of a a negative influence on me, to be honest with you. So that seemed to be a positive thing. But listen, that's not the weird, the really, really weird stuff. Here's the weirdest thing. This happened when I started going to Puerto Rico. So at this point in time, you know, I'm, I'm getting I'm probably like in my late 20s or something. So all this, all this kind of like doppelganger stuff started popping up for me. Uh, well, I don't think I've had an incident in a while. All right. But when we come back from this break, I'm going to tell you what happened when I went to Puerto Rico for one of the very one of the first times I went to Puerto Rico to go to this very remote shop, uh, literally in the El Junque rainforest. And what happened there, I don't know. For me, this is like the freakiest example of of this. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll be back after these important messages.
0: Don't go anywhere. There's more strange things coming right up.
2: Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, And we're back with Strange Things and Joshua P. Warren.
3: back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. The first time I went to Puerto Rico, I was on a cruise ship, and I instantly fell in love with Puerto Rico. I actually... Um, It's it's just seemed like a dream. It it still seems like a dream place. And of course, you know, I ended up living there for years and I miss it. But uh, I'll be going back here. uh, I'm sure one of these days. But nonetheless, when I got there, I, I knew that this was the birthplace of the Chupacabra. And so as soon as I got to old San Juan, I was looking in all of the gift shops for some kind of like little chupacabra souvenirs. I thought like, Hey, a t-shirt would be great, but any kind of little trinket or whatever. And I could not find a single thing with a chupacabra on it. Not one thing. I couldn't believe it. And being a businessman, I thought, man, boy, this is a missed opportunity. And I was kind of looking for an excuse to come back to Puerto Rico and spend more time anyway. And I came up with this idea. I told Lauren, I said, you know what? I'm going to make some Chupacabra T-shirts. And I'm going to fly back to Puerto Rico and uh, I'm just gonna go into shops and see if I can start selling these chupacabra t-shirts. Okay, What an entrepreneurial thing to do. And then if I start getting this business in Puerto Rico, well, it'll at least help pay for my trips to Puerto Rico. You know, see, that's how I was thinking in those days. Makes sense, doesn't it? So I got this great artist and we designed this really cool chupacabra t-shirt. And I printed up a bunch of them. And then got on an airplane all by myself and flew back to Puerto Rico. Now, this I, I, I'm I'm bad at looking back uh, off the cuff and p- picking out dates and stuff, but I mean this would have been over 15 years ago, I'm sure. So, uh, cell coverage was very very spotty uh it probably still is and uh checking your email forget about it like i mean there was no no kind of wifi anywhere that you know i couldn't at least nothing i could access so and i i didn't speak spanish and i wanted to get outside of just san juan and uh go to some of the other kind of touristy spots on the island and so i knew there was no way i was going to be able to do this without a good guide because most of the people in, in the rural parts of puerto rico especially only speak uh they only speak spanish and they may if they, if they know a little bit of english it's very very limited so i f- fortunately was able to meet a man named manuel who was a professional guide on the island and hire him to be my own personal private guide and i found that uh in old san juan you know the reception to my chupacabra t-shirts was mediocre they still weren't quite seeing what i saw i thought you know all these cruise ship people would get it but one of the places that a lot of people love to visit is the el junque rainforest which looks like something out of a dr seuss book i mean uh it's it is um, it's the I guess it's the only tropical rainforest in the United States because, you know, Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. And um I could just sit here and talk to you for an hour about how majestic the El Junque is and the trails and the waterfalls. And it's just amazing. And there was only maybe but this is a national park. You know, so there was only like one or two. Two gift shops that were even allowed to sell anything there, but they were owned by individuals that had a contract with the government. So Manuel says, well, let's go to this gift shop. He says, I take people to the Young young I know these people who own this gift shop, and you can go in there and pitch your T-shirts, and I'll help you communicate with them. Like I said, great. So we drove from San Juan. I'm thinking to get to the El Junque was probably like an hour and a half or something like that. I mean, it was a decent drive there. uh You go through some really desolate kind of areas, you know, where there's just not much of anything except lush vegetation. Finally, you know, we went up this big, long, winding road and we get into the El Junque and here on this little Embankment on the side of the road is this gift shop and I think they may have had like a little barbecue thing out there or whatever. And I'm dressed in like a guayabera shirt with one of my typical like broad brimmed fedoras. This is like a straw fedora and I'm I stand out like a sore thumb in this environment. Um, I mean you can imagine I'm six foot two. I don't look like I've ever had a suntan. I have but I don't look like I have. And uh and I'm talk I talk about weird stuff all the time, okay? I'm kind of a memorable dude in this setting. So, I walked into this gift shop and it turns out this was kind of a family-owned thing. And uh, it's it's like there's dad and his two sons kind of ran the thing. So we I walk in there, everybody's all smiles, we're shaking hands, and manuel starts explaining to them that i have a t-shirt that i'm interested in trying to sell and they're like oh uh uh-huh yeah uh uh-huh and so i take out my chupacabra shirt and and they go yeah well that's the same one that you brought by a week ago is this a new one that you're gonna and i was like i i something's lost in translation here right so I'm trying to communicate through broken English and Spanish, and Manuel starts talking to them, and and they start laughing at everything. And he starts telling me that they said that I, my big, strange-looking visage, had gone into that gift shop in the middle of nowhere, and I'd never been to the Ojonque rainforest. That's a pretty big thing. And Manuel knows he's never taken me there. And they're telling me that a week before, when I was in North Carolina, okay, across the Atlantic Ocean, they're telling me that I came in to their shop with this T-shirt and was giving them the same pitch. And after they're done laughing, and they and I, I said, "There's no way," and Manuel said, "There's no way." And once they actually, once that reality set in with them. Their faces got kind of pale, and they looked at me as if they were staring at a ghost. And there was almost a moment where you could have heard a pin drop, and I still get goosebumps thinking about it, to be honest with you. Because they, all three of these people, had no doubt that I had come in there. I had come in there with that shirt. It's impossible. It's impossible. Um, and that, that was kind of the end of the pitch, frankly, I think that they were so freaked out by my presence at that point that they, they didn't know what was going on. And they probably thought I was some kind of like, you know, schizophrenic guy who, cause from their point of view that it would be easier for them to believe that I was some kind of schizophrenic guy who had been there and didn't know about it or remember it than for them to actually understand this whole doppelganger thing. And that's another thing. It's like in my past, especially when I got accused of, Uh, pitching the fishing pole thing that i didn't do i mean like i'm a logical person at best i can be and you can't have people come to you and tell you they've seen your doppelganger do these things without stopping and considering the fact that maybe i am crazy like maybe i am schizophrenic maybe i have done these things and i just don't know about it but in this particular case there was no possible way I could have been there because I'd there would be a trail of uh plane reservations and uh hotel reservations and all see see like that's when I really knew like there's this is a paranormal phenomenon that's happening here. My t shirt business never really took off in Puerto Rico, to be honest with you. I haven't been there in five years, so I'll bet I bet you now it's a big thing. You're welcome somebody out there. <laughs> but look, okay, what does all this mean? All right? You've you've got again the doubles, the paranormal doubles, you've got the people out there who are just like, "Oh, that's my doppelganger." But then you have this, the idea that there's someone out there who may be portraying you. Uh, does this mean doom like a lot of people have believe throughout history? Well, it's certainly a scary thing to see your doppelganger, but it might be, it might be a warning though. Like for example, the composer I was telling you about Christoph Gluck, he saw his doppelganger and he said, okay, I don't, I don't need to be around that thing. And he got away from it and it saved his life when the ceiling collapsed. Lincoln saw his double in the mirror Maybe that was an opportunity for Lincoln to change his behavior so he would not be assassinated. But this also could be, you know, like I say, it could be a a doom thing. Or if you if you heed it, it could be like protection. Uh, Maybe some other version of yourself is trying to take care of you. Hey, this reminds me a lot of the changelings as well. You know, I've talked about changelings on this podcast. Is it possible that there are also shape shifting demons or shape shifting angels that might mimic you in order to go out and to create uh, to sort of frame you for doing something that's good or bad? like think about that like sometimes if a if a demon shape shifts it might try to portray you as doing something bad and the angel goes out and is trying to help you and portray you as doing something good when we come back i'm going to tell you ultimately what i think about all this and then i have some fascinating emails from listeners to read to you i'm joshua p warren You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll be right back.
1: Don't go anywhere. There's more strange things coming right up.
2: Are you ready to fight back against crime?
0: Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The
2: Coast to Coast AM mobile app is here and waiting for you right now. With the app, you can hear classic shows from the past seven years, listen to the current live show, and get access to the Art Bell Vault where you can listen to uninterrupted audio. So head on over to the AM.com website. We have a handy video guide to help you get the most out of your mobile app usage. All the info is waiting for you now at coasttocoastam.com. That's coasttocoastam.com. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Ouija board expert Karen A. Dahlman, and you're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
3: back to the final segment of this edition of strange things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren, and I know I've read this before, but it just seems appropriate to read this email again. This came from a man named Ernest Jonas, who lives in Dallas, Texas. He said, my grandmother lived in San Antonio, Texas. She was in bed asleep around 10 p.m. When she abruptly awoke, sat up in bed and blurted out my nickname, Bubba, 400 miles away in Dallas, Texas, I was wide awake in my bedroom when I clearly heard her voice call out my nickname. My door was open, and the sound came from the hallway. (laughs) Uh, Is that kind of a a doppelganger-esque thing? The the teleportation, the bilocation of the spirit, of the presence? Okay, so what does all this mean here? (sighs) Okay, well, well, first off, let me just say this. I think that uh, when when people talk about doppelgangers, they they're they're using this word to represent different things. It reminds me—you've heard me say this before. Jim Mars was the the first person I heard say this. A little green man runs through a room at a party, and one person says, "Look, an alien," and the other person says, "Look, a leprechaun," and another person says, "Look, a demon." Uh, with ghosts, we run into this. People say, I saw a ghost. Uh, well, what did you see? Because people ask me, what is a ghost? And I say, well, what, what did you see? Because could be an imprint, uh, could be a, an entity. Could be some kind of object moving that may or may not be paranormal poltergeist. I mean, like people use this word "ghost," to represent a lot of different things. And so getting the terminology organized is step number one when it comes to solving these things. And clearly people mean a lot of different things. But when it comes to. um, I think when it comes to most of these classic doppelganger things, my feeling is that. We exist in multiple dimensions at once because we we are told the universe has many different dimensions. uh, Mathematicians right now, they're telling us like, oh, there's 11 different dimensions at least. Okay, I don't even really we can't comprehend what that means exactly. But if they're telling us that, well, if if the universe has all these dimensions and I exist in the universe, then I must exist in some way and to some degree in some part in all of these dimensions. You may get to just see the part of me in these three dimensions, but I exist within these other dimensions. And these other dimensions may not be as restricted by space time as the three dimensional body the three-dimensional aspect so it may be that since we have to be multiple dimensional or yeah multiple dimensional people that we may have a part of ourselves that contains some visage of ourselves that is able to be removed uh, especially under certain circumstances or in the case of certain special people uh, and go out there and and fulfill tasks. And you know. is When it comes to like. My experience with in Puerto Rico. I may not have been there. A week before. With my t-shirts. Pitching that. From my point of view. But I sure was thinking about it. I sure was planning to do it. And so. Is it possible that. While I was thinking about it and planning that somehow I literally was uh, focusing so intensely, I sent a version of myself out there that manifested and did the pitch for me (laughs) when I was, you know, thousands of miles away or whatever. It kind of reminds you of one of the explanations that was brought up with Emily Sagi that uh, is it possible that. Uh, there were this, uh, doppelganger she had was fulfilling some things that she would have done as a teacher that she wasn't doing or or couldn't do, or, you know, you, you you know, how people say, I, I can't do two things at once or be in two places. Well, what if you can sometimes, I think that that's probably what a lot of this is all about. And it's the same thing with like, you know, Carrie or whatever coming into the, the photo store. It's interesting that like, I have no, I've never heard of, nobody's ever called me Carrie. There's no reference to that. But, uh, in my life, but it's, it's very interesting to think like maybe there was some version of myself that was going out there, uh, just because I was anticipating I was going to go to the store and do this. But look, This is confusing. That's why this show is called Strange Things. So that's the best I can come up with right now. But I do want you to contact me and send me seriously a picture if you have a picture of yourself with somebody on the Internet that looks like you. (laughs) Okay, before we run out of time, let's get to some listener emails, shall we? These are always fun. Well, first off, I got this email from... A listener in Canada named Ray, spelled R-E-Y. Ray heard my podcast about my initial trip to my new land in Rachel, Nevada, near Area 51 and sat down with a pendulum and did a psychic reading on that. And here is what Ray came up with. Uh, Ray says that my name, Warren, on that rock on the way in on that cliff had been put there by the CIA to destabilize my journey. Okay. And then Ray goes on to say, when you got to the little alien, the, the Scots folks there who helped you, like, you know, I told you about the Scotsman playing the bagpipes. Uh, he was an asset. He is actually with the UK's MI6. Okay, that's like the James Bond outfit, and uh, there to assist me in my journey. Uh, and that these people are unrelated to my boomerang UFO sighting the night before. But he thinks I guess I'm R E Y. I'm not honestly sure if Ray is a is a he or she or what. But anyway, Ray says. That um, this the the CIA and the and MI6 were helping me out. So I don't know. What do you think? Thanks for your insight on that, Ray. Okay, now this comes from Michelle. Michelle says I'm a new listener. I was listening to episode 83, and I had to share my experience with you. In August of 2020, my brother and sister passed away, literally two days apart. I love and miss them both. I was closest to my brother, Gary. I was struggling with his death as it was sudden and unexpected. A little less than a month after I was with my wife in Oatman, Arizona, when she felt compelled to enter a consignment shop with various pieces of art. Now, before I go on, I must explain that my brother had been researching our Native American heritage before he passed. So, fast forward. My wife pulls me into this consignment shop, and I see this carved figurine of a shaman. I looked away a couple of times, but kept getting pulled back. And finally, I intently studied the details of his face, and then his eyes, and then I felt frozen in place, Frozen, not scared, just feeling deeply every second of my pain when I felt my brother's spirit leap from the figurine and pass through me. I suddenly felt weak and nauseous, but I knew it was him. I could smell his scent. It was the most amazing experience of my life, and from that moment... I have felt like he is always with me. Thank you for reading my email. And then goes on to say, uh, by the way, Kali is one of my spirit guides. Thank you so much for that message. I'm really sorry to hear about the terrible loss you have endured, but obviously <laughs> the spirit is still with you. Okay. It is time for us now to invoke good, positive, abundant, prosperous energy into all of our lives for the next week. Are you ready? Take a deep breath. If you can, close your eyes, relax. Here is the good fortune tongue.